Okay. Uh, why don't we just go ahead and stand and get ready to go to the Lord and worship right now. Uh, we're going to go to um, page 135, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. Oh, uh -huh. 
Amen. You may be seated tonight. Uh, just starting off church talking about the blood of Jesus. Uh, just build your spirit. It builds your hope up. Uh, I don't know about you, but it just does to me. I'm excited to be here tonight. Brother Gene, last night you blessed my heart, and I know I'm not the only one in here. And that was some old-time preaching. Uh, and I know I'm only 31, so those of you that are older than I uh, have probably thought, man, I, I used to hear preaching like that. It was old-time preaching, but it's what our world needs today. So I thank you for obeying God last night and, and preaching the Word of God. Um, so tonight I'm looking for just better things in store for God, uh, for us tonight from God. I'm going to start off with a song. I, I don't know if I sung this last time, but I told you that I, I just like to start off with upbeat songs. And then afterwards, uh, when I get done with this, Miss Nikki Lynch is going to come sing a couple of songs with me. That is my friend, my co-worker, my partner in crime, and I'm, uh, I'm glad she's here tonight. She's going to come and uh, bless you tonight with uh, some singing. So I'll start off this song, and it's uh, just talking about how good God is to us. Uh, he always takes care of us. This morning and I started my way God's mercy was with me all of the way His goodness stayed close by to meet all my needs And my Lord has taken good care of me I'm never forsaken, I'm never alone One day I'm moving to my brand new home I'm blessed beyond Nikki, uh, 
I don't know, I guess it was a couple years ago, Brother Brandon Lynch started working at the funeral home. That is her husband. They passed her at Pleasant Hill mm -hmm. Baptist Church in Bogachitta. And uh, so he started coming to work. Well, then here come Nikki, and she come to work with us. And uh, so then I, I wanted to go out to eat with them one night, or we my wife and them just become friends and so he said let's go out to eat and I I told Nikki I said you would do so good as a funeral director come and work at the funeral home mm. <laughs> and uh so I told her I said it's so easy and you would do so good and let me tell y'all how a man of God lied <laughs> lied anyway <laughs> She come, to, she come to work at the funeral home, and I'm so glad because we've just built a friendship. We're able to minister to people and uh, uh, just minister to God uses us to minister to people. And I'm so thankful for that opportunity, and it's just good to work with somebody like-minded. You know, there's a lot of places that you could go to work at today, and it's just not a Christian environment. And uh, so, Nikki, you helped make that happen, and I appreciate that. So, uh, and she his, also, hair, his hair always looks like this, y'all. Lord, help Look, this song we're going to do tonight, um, I'm, I'm very blessed. It's probably one of my favorite songs in the whole wide world. But, you know, we've gone through a really rough last 18 months. It's been rough in ministry. It's been rough in our jobs. It's been rough everywhere. It's been rough on our children. Lord, have mercy. And, um, but, you know, God never promised us that it was going to be easy. He just promised us he'd always be there with us. Yeah. 
awesome. I'm so glad that we serve a God like that, that'll take us through the fire. Although sometimes the fire is not that exciting to go through. But going through it with God is so much better. Uh, I had a, a pastor's wife growing up that she used to stand up in front of the church when they would ask her, I don't know if y'all do this or not, but sometimes we have testimony service. Uh, we don't now because some people take advantage of that and talk more <laughs> about the devil than they do about the Lord. But, uh, but uh, anyway, so they, we used to have testimony service and she would always stand up and she'd say, praise the Lord, everybody. And the church would say, praise the Lord. And she'd, she'd always start it off and say, I don't know how people make it without the Lord. And people would say, amen. And then she'd get real deep in the microphone and she'd say, and I sure don't intend to find out. <laughs> and and that, that is what she was remembered by. And so that is something that I want to always live by. I don't know how people make it without the Lord, but I sure don't intend to find out. Uh, this next song, you may know it. Uh, it's just called The Goodness of God. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me, and all my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. So my life, you have been faithful. Yes, you have. And all my life, you have been so, so.
So much, Nikki. Uh, I love just being able to sing. We we just practiced maybe about five minutes before y'all got in here, <laughs> and we just went over the songs. And uh, uh, but you know, when you're worshiping God, you really don't need a lot of practice because He's just going to show up. Practice is good, but but He's if you're giving your all to God, I've learned that uh, sometimes the program you just got to push out the window when God steps in, and you know you have a, a program set or a set list of what you're going to sing, and then I'll get to church and I feel like. You know, God's speaking to me saying, hey, we need to do this. And sometimes the singers, if you deal with, with uh, personalities <laughs> in ministry, uh, the singers may say, are you sure about this? Uh, maybe with a little attitude. And, and then I'll say, yeah, but I just, I feel, I just feel led. And, and so that is what you do as a worship leader. And I feel like God has called me to be a worship leader. And uh, so sometimes he just messes up the program like that. And, uh, but most of the time when that happens, uh, the presence of God will sweep in the building and somebody comes up and says, I don't know why you chose that song, but that song touched my heart. And uh, so then it all just kind of plays out the way it's supposed to. This last song that I'm going to sing before Brother Gene comes up is uh, entitled, When I Lay My Isaac Down. And you know the, uh, the, the story of Abraham and Isaac and what God told him to do uh, and, and what God told him to do up on the mountain, take Isaac and and go do. I have a 10-year-old little boy that I think I told you guys about last year. Uh, he was nine last year, but he's 10 now, and I just don't know if I was put in Isaac's place what I would do. I, I don't know, uh, but just listen to the words of this song, uh, because we all do have, a, have an Isaac that God does want us to lay down in our life, so I hope this blesses somebody. Abraham 
the day that God would give him a son and bless it. It was in him. 
Amen. Thank you all so much for leading us in worship. What a great, great opportunity just to come before God and to be able to worship Him and praise Him and magnify Him. You know, tonight as we come together, as I was uh, uh, praying today and early this morning, saying, Lord, where do we go? God's Word is so vast. Where do you go? And yet God's Word is truth, and it's a truth that sets us free. And I want to say to tonight that as I as we come together, we have to understand something. If you're a child of God, we understand that Satan is coming after us. We understand that sin is pursuing us. We understand that society is belittling us. We understand that suffering is waiting us. But I want to say to you that our Savior has died for us. He arose for us. He's coming again for us. Jesus Christ is in you. He is with you. He is for you. And I want to say to you tonight as we look at God's Word, you know, as we look tonight, I want us to look in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And in verse 3 it says, And we are, we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, have no confidence in the flesh. I want to tell you, years ago, I've been in ministry now for about 34, 35 years. My wife can tell me, and she'll straighten me out when I get through. But I, I've been in ministry that long. I've pastored, I've been in evangelism. And I want to tell you my definition of worship. You ready? Worship is to be so occupied with God that nothing else matters. That means that you're so occupied with God that nothing else matters. So that means for individuals who tell me that I can go and I can go get on a deer stand and I can worship God, if a 12-point come out, you will never see him because you're so occupied with God, nothing else matters. If you're fishing and a 12-pound bass hits your line, you're not going to set the hook because you're so occupied with God that nothing else matters. Worship. Tonight, what would happen in our lives individually if we became so occupied with God that nothing else matters? What would happen if everything that we're dealing with in life, that we just simply come before the presence of a holy God, desiring Him to speak to us, that He may work through us, and in the process that people can know that we truly are the children of God? Tonight, do we want to just go through the motions in these ages in which we live, or do we want to be a light that's shining brightly for Jesus? Do we want to operate in the realm of the flesh where we have these emotional roller coasters? There's some times we feel like we're on top of the world, and there's other times we feel like the world's on top of us. We can go through life and we try to figure things out. We go through life and we try to feel our way through it. But I want to tell you something. If you're truly redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you are no longer to operate in the realm of the world. You're no longer to operate in the realm of the flesh. You're to operate in the realm not of figuring and the realm of feeling. You're to operate by the realm of faith. Faith is trusting God and His Word to the point of obedience. And what is it going to take for us as a children of God to be obedient to God, not just in the house of God, but in the world that God's created? In an atmosphere where many people do not want to know God because men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. 
But you and I walk under the radiance of the Spirit of God, lining up with the Word of God, that we may demonstrate the will of God, that people will know that we are the children of God. And I want to tell you something. If there's ever been a time for the children of God to stand, it is today. And so, in this time we live in, there's a remnant, I believe. A remnant. Every church has that remnant of individuals who truly love God. Who have a desire for the will of God to be done more than their own. Who seek the face of God and know that the times are limited upon this earth. We are vapors passing through. Here today, gone tomorrow. But while we're here on this earth, what impact will we make in the people around us? Tonight, we look at a man who makes an impact like never before. Being who he is in Christ. Walking away from his religion. Walking away from his self-righteousness. And walking to the arms of Almighty God made possible through the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, years ago I heard a story about a, a pastor who had moved down to New Orleans and to the seminary and, and was uh, got there late in being registered in in the, in the seminary, and all the preaching jobs were gone except for one. It was a church that had been known through the years to have troubles. And he comes to the professor, he said, man, I'm, I'm here, I know I'm running a little late and getting registered. He said, I really need a job, I got a wife and children, and I need somewhere to preach. He said, well, I've only got one position left, and it's a mighty mean church, bad church. Most pastors don't last over three or four months, that's it. All of a sudden he said, I can't help it. i got to have a job. Let me try it. He goes out there and sure enough, three or four months, they done ate his lunch. Put him out to dry. Now he doesn't have a job. All of a sudden he says, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't have a job. What am I going to do? So he got the want ads out and he saw that Auburn Zoo had an opening there and he went down there to interview for the job and he gets down there and he talks to the, the administrator. He says, I need a job and I need one bad. He said, well, this is our job. He said, our kangaroo has died. And, and we need somebody until we get ours. It's got to go through custom, through Australia. It's going to be six months. But we need somebody to dress up in his kangaroo outfit with cantilever springs. When you push down on the springs, it's going to pick you right back up. And all we need you to do is just hop around in a cage pretend to be a kangaroo. He said, I'm not a kangaroo. I'm a Baptist preacher. He said, we pay $22 an hour. He said, I'll hop right to it. So he puts the outfit on, he gets out there, he's moping around, he, he's hopping just a little bit, and he's just feeling sorry for himself. He said, I'm not a kangaroo, I'm a Baptist preacher, I'm a preacher. And all of a sudden, some school kids show up one day, and they looked over in the exhibit and started hollering, jump, kangaroo, jump! Son, don't ever encourage a preacher. He pressed down on that cantilever springs. He jumped high. They said, jump higher, kangaroo, jump higher. He pressed forward hard. He jumped higher. He was getting higher and higher and higher and jumped out of his exhibit and got over into the lion's area. The lion is now chasing him, and the preacher who's in a kangaroo outfit cannot contain himself, and he starts hollering, help, help, when the lion jumps and puts his paw over his mouth and said, hush, you're not the only preacher without a job. <laughs> Too many people are pretending to be something that they're not. 
And I'm going to tell you that it's not in our lives, even as believers, that it's the mountaintop experience that we speak of who our God is. It's in the darkest days of our life when we don't know the outcome and we still trust Him. Trust Him with all of our heart. I know that, as I said earlier with Brendan, on the, the ventilator, and I knew when they put her on there, God just stirred in my heart. Go down there every day at 5 o'clock. Walk that parking lot. Walk right outside of her room. I could see her in there. She was sedated. She had, was on the ventilator, and I could see her in there. And I could see my wife, and I, could, I couldn't touch her. I had to look to her through a glass. I couldn't get close to her. But I could take her to the throne of God. And every day I walked down there and I prayed and I said, God, I pray you touch her. God, I pray you bring her back to me, God. I pray you do a work in her life. And I didn't know because some God's times God's healing is just taking you on home. Well, that's not a bad thing, is it? Not when we're pilgrims passing through. But I said, Lord, if it's your will, there's some more work for us to do. She's right beside me every step of the way. And, and here she is tonight. And, and, and this is the second day she's had with no oxygen during the day. And she's on ox, an oxygen at night. And only when she exerts herself, but she don't have to exert herself because I'm so proud to have her home. I'm doing everything. I'm washing clothes. I'm vacuuming. I'm cooking. I'm doing everything. Because God's blessing me. But you know what? If God chose to take her, would I still be found faithful? It was in that, in that dark days of uncertainty that God spoke volumes of who He is. You see, I had a guy call me today, a deacon, from the church I left at Highland there in, New, in, in Laurel, and he said, Gene, he said, I saw where your wife was on the ventilator and you went to New Haven and preached a revival. I went that morning and I prayed for her. Went at 6 o'clock visitation, prayed for her. She was sedated. And, uh, but you know what? I had to show people who our God was. And I could not let the devil win. Because sometimes in our lives, when we're going through the difficult times, we let our feelings and we let our figuring get in the way and prevent us to be people of faith. Faith is trusting God in His Word to the point of obedience. So tonight, from the Word of God, I want you to see in Philippians, I want you to see what God's Word says to us in verse 13 and following. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward for those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize for the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Tonight I want you to see a few things from the Word of God. You can underline them in the Word of God. They're right here before us tonight. The first thing we see in verse 13 is brethren. Now the Bible says in Matthew, all that call me Lord, Lord, Matthew chapter 7, all that call me Lord, Lord is not going to the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth my will of which my Father which is in heaven, of my Father which is in heaven. The Bible tells us that just because a person calls and say they know God, it does not mean they know God. They may know about God, but they do not know God personally. The Bible says there is one way to know God. In our society today, that people think that I can just come to God, I know there is a God, and that's all that matters. No, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
The Bible says in John 14, it tells us, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man go to the Father but by me. I am the way, without me there's no going. I am the truth, without me there's no knowing. I am the life, without me there's no living. Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. I don't care what modern day America says, if this Word of God is truth, it is truth. And Jesus said, it's this truth that will set you free. You understand there is a God in heaven. He spoke this world into being. Out of His mouth, there is no such thing as a Big Bang Theory. There's a thing called a Big God Theory. And God spoke this world into being. And that God wants to have fellowship with you and fellowship with me. But sin entered into the world. And a holy God cannot embrace sin. And God had to provide a way, and He did it through the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. But we see that John the Baptist saw Jesus coming and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that take away the sins of the world. Isaiah told us He'd be led as a lamb to the slaughter. And we see here, here comes Jesus. Jesus went to that cross and He gave His life and He died. He cried out, It's finished. But He didn't say, I'm finished. On the third day, He arose from the grave. He's a living Savior. And I want to tell you that in 2021, America, we need the blood-bought children of God to stand up and be the blood-bought children of God. We need the Spirit of God to radiate through us, in us, around us, that when we walk into the room, the atmosphere is about to change. It may be the darkest place upon this earth, but when you walk in under the anointing of the Spirit of God, as a child of God, you are about to change the atmosphere around. The Bible says in the Word of God, it says brethren. First thing I want you to underline is brethren. The first thing I want you to see is to know. To know that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. I want you to see a few things here. There's people today who think that if I have religion, that's all I need. Look at verses 5 and 6. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, Concerning the law of Pharisees, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. It says here that Paul indicates that he had religion. Matter of fact, he had a pedigree. <laughs> you know, people want to talk about their religious activities, uh, especially those that don't go to church. <laughs> they want to tell you about their religious activity. Uh, well, my, my, my mom and daddy took me to church all my life. Well, let me tell you something. I've said it again, but it's worth saying another time. And that is, God does not have any grandchildren. He only has children. You must be born again. The Bible says here that, that all of a sudden, his religion, he realized in his life that religion was not what it was all about. Matter of fact, the Bible says here in the Word of God that he talks about that religion, but he also talks about something else. He talks about his self-righteousness before he met Christ. Look what verse 4 says. Though also may have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else think that he may have confidence in the flesh, I more. Here we see here, he said, I once was religious. I once was a self-righteous individual. I thought I had connection to God. I thought I had a monopoly on God. I thought me and God were on a first-name basis. And all of a sudden, something happened. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse 9 and 10, and, he, and, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Not having what? My own righteousness. You cannot get good enough to enter the kingdom of heaven. If you could get good enough to enter the kingdom of heaven, then God made a mistake by allowing His Son Jesus to go to the cross of Calvary and died. And guess what? God doesn't make mistakes. 
We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God, the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should. Hmm. A lot of people sure are boasted about how good they are, aren't they? You can be, you can be, you, and it's amazing, we always pick, up people, pick out people that we know that we've got a lot of more open sin in their life, right? Well, I'm better than they are. Well, why don't you compare yourself to the cross at what it took to take away your sin debt to make you right with a holy God, the death of His Son Jesus on the cross of Calvary, and the glorious resurrection. Look at the price that was paid. Your goodness could not save you, will not save you. And if it could, God made a mistake by allowing His Son Jesus to die on the cross, and God did not make a mistake. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man go to the Father but by me. Brethren, to be part of the family of God does not come through religion. It does not come through self-righteousness. Verse 9 said, Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, verse 9, but which is through faith in Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you've been saved through faith. Grace. You can't do enough to earn your way into the kingdom of heaven. There's no way you can do that. And yet, majority of people, I assure you, in Lincoln County and other counties around, think if they'll just quit doing this and that, it's enough to get them into the kingdom of heaven. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven apart from the blood atonement of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says here, it says here, through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Look what it says. That I may know Him, the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering, been conformed to his death. We see here redeemed. It's not religion. It's not your self-righteousness. You must be redeemed. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus in John chapter 3? He said, you must be born again. His religion was not enough. Saul was as, as pious and arrogant a religious man you could ever find. He was persecuting those followers of Christ thinking in the name of his religion. But one day he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, and Jesus changed his life. He realized that he could not keep that law. There was a price that had been paid, and that price was paid in full through the death, burial, erection of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And he invited Jesus Christ into his life and transformed him forever. Do you think anybody had to come beg him to serve Jesus once he got saved? Look what the Bible says here. The Bible says redemption. We redeem a confirmation of the Holy Spirit. That's how we know we're saved. In Romans 8.16, you mark this down. In Romans 8.16, God's Spirit, bear witness with my spirit. I'm a child of God. I'm not saved by what I think. I'm not saved what others think. I am saved because the Spirit of the living God lives inside of me, draws me to the Word of God, draws me to the place of God that I desire to surrender myself that the will of God be accomplished in my life. We ought to be living in a state of revival. And yet today we live in a society that we can go out there and we can have a t-ball game and we'll take little Johnny. Little Johnny don't have any clue what t-ball is all about. He's more concerned about the concession stand. All of a sudden he sits there and we put a ball on a stick. A ball on a stick is not moving. 
And we swing. And everybody's, come on, Johnny, you can do it. And we, he can't hit the ball off the stick. And five minutes later, he finally connects with the ball. Takes off the first base. And decided he wants a snow cone and goes to the concession stand anyway. And what does the, what does the crowd do? They go ballistic. They go crazy. I want to tell you something. We go crazy under everything, under the sun with excitement and enthusiasm and passion. Where is our passion, our enthusiasm, our love for the one who saved us while we yet sinners that went to the cross and died for us so that simple man, woman, boy could be reconciled to a holy God? Redeemed. Look what it says in chapter verse 10. I want you to see this. Underline these things. I think it'll help you. What does it look like? Verse 10. That I might know Him. Underline that word, that I might know Him. That's a personal, a personal relationship. Look what else he says here. And the power of His resurrection. Underline the power of His resurrection. Once we personally come to know Him, there is a power inside of us that we cannot duplicate or, or nothing that we can do. It is the Spirit of God that moves inside our lives. And we understand, as Paul understood, when he said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the faith I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I die to myself daily so that He may be magnified in my life as my Lord and as my Savior. And so the Bible said here that I don't know we see here that when we have been redeemed, we personally have a relationship with Him. We personally have, it says here, the powerful power within us of the Holy Spirit. But look what else it says. And the fellowship of His suffering. You see... As the songs were singing, what happens when we go through suffering? Number one, it takes us to a place we don't want to be. <laughs> Is that right? But it's there that we humble ourselves over the mighty hand of God. There we seek the face of God, like not when things are going great our way. Our prayers are pretty flippant when we, things are going our way. But buddy, you get yourself in a dark spot of life and you'll find yourself, God, search me. Search my heart. Search my hands. Search every bit from the tip of my toes to the top of my head. God, you said a prayer of a righteous man abateth much. And God, I want to be right before you. I need you to do what I cannot do for myself. God, I'm trusting you with the most valuable thing that I have or the thing that looks like it's about to devour me, destroy me. I'm trusting you. When do we get to that place of brokenness when we're down in the valley. You see, one of the things that uh, coming out of Tennessee, getting ready to go to Africa to preach a conference, and then Brenda was hit with COVID, and then two days later I was hit with COVID. I get up early, Brenda, now I'm the kind of guy, I let her sleep at 8 o'clock. <laughs> if you get up at 4 o'clock, that's four hours long when you got so I, you know, I let her sleep, and she gets up one morning, and she gets her coffee, and she's still struggling with the COVID. She ain't got really bad yet. We're still in the early stages of it. And I said, Brenda, I, I, she gets up, and I'm just this little feist, you know. Brenda, i got to tell you something. I'm going to tell you what God showed me today. I'm going to tell you what he said to me today. What I think we can do as a way of ministry. I'm always looking for ministry opportunities. I said, COVID, Christ, our victory in disease. 
Christ, our victory in, 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 in discouragement. Christ, our victory in depression. Christ, our victory in distress. Christ, our victory in death. Now, I never knew that I was about to encounter what I was about to encounter with my wife going on the ventilator, with them saying that her kidneys are shutting down. The pneumonia is getting worse. We're going to have to put a chest tube inside of her. And every day it got darker. But I kept holding on to Christ, our victory. I told her that day, I said, Brennan, this is what the Lord showed me, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to get some boxes together, and I'm going to work up this thing, COVID, and I'm going to work up some scriptures to go with it, and we're going to put a box together, and I'm going to make three different types of soup, and I'm going to put some crackers in there and some orange juice in there, and we're going to put it in a box with some scriptures and COVID and what I just told you, and we're going to go to places. We don't want to go to church folk because church folk take care of church folk, amen? We want to go to people nobody else is going to. And set that out to them. And put a card in there and say, if you ever need somebody to talk to, you holler back at us. What I'm saying to you is, is that when you have passion, you look for opportunities to be even in the midst of the suffering, even in the midst of the storms. You look at ways of how you can minister to others in the, ner- in, in, in the waiting room. And I see you there at Laurel, South Central. I, I was ministering to people, and, 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 and it was not always easy because I was in, ministering to Miss Brenda and her husband Buck, who had been on the ventilator for 23 days. And I asked one day, how's he doing? And she said, he went to be with Jesus. Then a 55-year-old man named Greg, who I, who I was praying for, and Stephen, who I was praying for, and Greg, he went to be with Jesus. And the very lady beside Brenda in the, in the ICU waiting room, she died in the room with Brenda, right beside her. You know, I didn't know God was going to make me prove what I, He gave me to do. But it's only through suffering that all of a sudden this stuff becomes more valuable, isn't it? All of a sudden it creates in a suffering a passion that, that Jesus, no matter what happens, he, he, nothing catches Him by surprise. And that we have an opportunity as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ's brethren to make an impact in the society around us. But it doesn't mean it happens on the on mountaintops. Many times it happens when we're down in the lowest valley. Second thing I want you to see, I've got 24 more points, so don't get nervous. All right. Uh, I want you to see what it says here in verse, uh, also in that verse 13. We underline, brethren, to know. To know that you are a child of God. That God's Spirit, better one's your spirit, that you're a child of God. You're not banking your salvation on a baptism certificate. You're not banking your salvation on a church membership. There is the Holy Spirit of the living God living inside of you. That's your surety that you are saved. Number two, to know. Number two is this. It says here, I do not count myself to apprehend it. I have not counted myself to obtain it yet. The second thing I want you to see, to grow. It's not enough just to know. Many people get saved and they just want to go sit on a pew somewhere and say, well, I got saved. I'm glad that's over with. Can you imagine somebody preparing for the birth of a baby and that baby finally gets here and, and, and that baby, they give that baby to that mama and they go home and they put it in that nurse and say, boy, I'm glad that's over with. And they put that baby in that baby bed and shut the door and come back when it's 18 years old. 
You're just beginning. There's going to be some sleepless nights. There's going to be some stinking days when you get that surprise package inside of that diaper. You've got to grow. And if you're saved, you need to be growing as a child of God. Where I am today, and if we meet in the days to come, I want to be more the man of God than I am right now. But I've got to grow. I've got to understand that I've not obtained it yet. I'm not there yet. Are you satisfied where you are in your walk with God? A person who is desiring to know God with all their heart, soul, and mind is never satisfied where they are. They're striving to be more of what He wants them to be. Because the happiest you'll ever be as a born-again believer is smack dab in the center of God's will. You may have to Google smack dab, but I don't know if it's in there, but try it. What I'm saying to you is, is that, is that we, have to, we have to grow. Now, I want to tell you something. That, uh, we, we have the cell phone. Uh, uh, you know, I, I have one in the car, and I'm going to tell you what I think about cell phones. I'm not real good with them. I, I, I don't think dumb people need smartphones. <laughs> I just don't think that works real good. Uh, I, I like the green button and the red button. I talk to you, and I get through talking to you, and I'm kicking it off. I, I, I don't do good at texting. I'll text. Take me 25 minutes to get my sentence together, and then I forget to send it. And Brenda goes through and she checks all checks out on my Facebook. She checks all my my stuff. And she said, "You didn't even send this." I said, "Imagine that." But that smartphone, a phone, is used to where somebody talks to you, and you talk to somebody. This is how God talks to us. Have you ever talked to somebody that does all the talking before you get a word in to hang the phone up? Y'all don't be looking around nobody in this place. Do you think sometimes we're like that with God? We come with our agenda. We come with our plans, ideas. God, I need you to do this. And God, and we're just barking off orders for God. Is, God, is God's will more valuable and greater than our will? Not thy will, but not my will, but thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the Bible says here that we're to grow. I, I, I said this the other night, and I think it was at the men's event. I'm not sure. I think this is when I said it. I preached so many times during the course of the Bibles. I, sometimes I am getting older, you know, and I have my names in my suit now so I can remember who I am at times. So that's where we are. But Brenda and I have been married 44 years. I was in kindergarten. She was in kindergarten. They come got us out of class. We've been married all of our lives. I do not remember not being married. After being in evangelism, I, I'm gone a lot. And a while, uh, years ago when I was gone, I, I got to the hotel room and I was just tired. I just come out of a meeting, going to meeting, going to another meeting. I got in the hotel room. I set my bag down, unzipped it, started to take some of my stuff out. And all of a sudden, there was a letter there that had, "Hey, baby." Now, what do you think I did? My wife wrote me a letter and had on the outside of it, "Hey, baby." 
I said, that crazy girl, she got like we in school. We're not in school no more. And did I throw it in the trash can? No. Do you think I threw it on the dresser and said, I'll just read it later on? No. I opened that letter and I strutted around that room. I said, Gene Douglas, you the man. After all these years, you the man. Why'd I do that? That was a love letter from my wife. This is a love letter from God. And you ought to love God enough to read the love letter He wrote you. And if you're going to grow, you will never, never know the will of God apart from being in the Word of God. you got to grow. i got to grow. Every day I have to get in the Word of God. Now, I've never been diagnosed with ADD. I grew up in a time that just beat the fire out of you. My daddy beat the fire out of me. I'd be running, doing 80 miles an hour on the outside, but I didn't move on the, on the inside, but I didn't move none on the outside. But I want to tell you something. When I get up in the morning, the first thing I have to do is go to God's Word before my mind gets away from me. And Satan starts putting other things in my way to keep me from getting a word from God. And when I read God's Word, if I cannot obtain what I just read, i got to start over. Because I'm not reading God's Word just to say, God, I read your Word. What is God saying to me that I can live it and I can give it to somebody else that day? Is that right? So to grow, you've got to get in the Word of God. Is that God's love letter to you? God speaks to us through what? Through the Word. Now, how do we speak to God? Through prayer. You know, the Bible talks about the value of prayer. It talks to us the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The Bible talks about the value of us praying. But let me tell you something. There are times in our lives that it's easy to pray, and there are sometimes it feels like it's hard. If we get honest, is that right? When it gets hard, let me challenge you just to pray back the Scriptures. When you can't do it on your own, just pray back the Scriptures and let the Holy Spirit stir inside of you a reminder who Jesus is and what He's done for you, and pretty soon you're going to praise Him. The first thing I ought to do in, pray, in prayer is to praise Him for who He is. If He doesn't do another thing for me, I have enough to praise Him for all eternity for saving my soul. Prayers coming to Him and praying. You see, that's to grow. You know, I don't want to say that I wrote down a little something I came across years ago. It said, I ain't what I ought to be, ain't what I'm going to be, but thank God I ain't what I was. It's a growing process, Amen. That's the reason why we have to live in a state of revival. You know, as an evangelist, everybody, I'm speaking next week at a conference on evangelism, and, and everybody thinks, you know, that you go in and you, you just hammer down, get saved, get saved, get saved. Let me tell you something. When you bring a new baby into the world, there needs to be an environment for that baby to grow in and to nurture in and to become everything it needs to be. I want to tell you, revival is when the children of God get their fire back and desire the will of God more than their will and they seek the face of God more than anything else and they live in that state of revival where it's God's way instead of my way. And then when you bring that lost person into it, there's an environment that's going to encourage them. It's going to nurture them. It's going to teach them. It's going to show them the truth. And so we see here, to, to know, to grow. I wrote down something else I want you to see. Look what he says in verse 7. He says here, 
uh, in, uh, in verse 7, he says, he said, but all these things were gained to me, these things I've counted for loss. But he goes on to say back in verse 13, he says, I have not apprehended but this one thing that I do. A runner has to stay focused. A runner cannot be distracted. It is easy for us to get distracted in life. Is that right? It's easy to get distracted in finances. It's easy to get distracted in situations of life and uncertainty and circumstances. It's easy to get distracted. But as a runner, we have to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Bible said He is the author and finisher of our faith. He's a father and finisher. What He starts in you, He will complete. And I want to say to you that, that to know and to grow in Him. But let me show you another one. We've got 23 more to go. I'm picking. We've only got two more to go. All right, look what it says. Brethren, to know Him. I do not count myself to apprehend it, to grow in Him. But one thing I do. Here it is, underline. Forgetting those things which are behind. The Bible tells us from the Word of God, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, to me, that's just saying let go. There's just some things in our lives sometimes we just got to let go. I wrote down a couple of things that I think we have to let go of. Number one, we have to let go of past guilt. Satan will eat you up of something you've already confessed to God. I want to tell you that what we've done, our past. 1 John 1 9 says, If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse my sin and forgive me of all unrighteousness. Is that right? Forgive me. Does, does he forgive us when we confess our sin? Part of it or all of it? Tell me. Then why do we let Satan bring up our yesterdays to rob us who we are today in Christ Jesus? He wants to put a ball and chain around your leg and say you are not able to do something like this. Look where your life used to be. My life used to be without Christ, but now it is in Christ. His Spirit has filled me. He's redeeming by His blood. I'm a blood-bought child of God. I, the world says I'm nobody, but God says I'm somebody, and I'm more concerned about what God says about me than a lost and dying world. You've got to understand something. Don't you let Satan bring up your yesterdays that the Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood so that you could give it from. Number two on that, forgetting what's behind, is we've got to, not only I wrote down what you've done, but here's one, what I used to do. Not just past guilt, but past glory. There's a lot of folks that Tell me what they used to do for Jesus. When I used to teach a Sunday school class, I used to be faithful every time the doors were open. I used to be. I want to tell you something. God's not interested in what you used to. He's interested in what you're doing now. And if you're going to make an impact on the lost and dying community, they have to see consistency in your life. You can't tell them the difference that Jesus made in my life when, the, when, the, when, the, when Sunday comes around and it has no impact on your life whatsoever. Your life goes on as if it's fine and okay to be anywhere you want to be other than the house of God. I want to tell you something. 
we got to understand that there are so many people I met. Brother Gene, I used to do this and I used to do that. And I always ask him, I said, what are you doing today? What are you doing today for Jesus? Is that blood as powerful as it was when he saved you? Is that spirit as strong as it was when he entered your life? Is the Word of God has had the authority to give you the victory despite your situations and circumstances? And so the Bible says here in the Word of God, that past glory. But also, past grief. Forget what's behind. What you have done, what I used to do, past grief, what hurt me. I'm going to tell you something. I was at a church, a very first church. I was 26 years old when God called me to preach. I used to be a dental technician. I made crying and bridge work. <laughs> Teeth won't bother you when they're sitting up on a shelf. They'll eat you up in somebody's mouth. You hear me? And so God called me to preach at 26. Brendan didn't marry a preacher. I was a dental technician. Had my own business. And yet God called me to preach. I went to my very first church over in Simpson County. Got over there. Been there two years. Went to see the associational director. He said, Gene, i got to tell you something. He said, the church is a good church, but I should have told you this earlier, but about every two years they run the preacher off. I said, you think you could have told me that a little earlier? And sure enough, two Sundays later, two Sundays later, the chairman of the deacons come in there right after Sunday school and said, Brother Gene, after the morning service, we need you and Miss Brenda and your two little boys. I think there were five, six and one, five and one, somewhere in that area. I need them to come back to your office for a little while. I said, okay. Brenda said, what's going on? I said, I don't know, but pray, baby, pray. I don't know what's going on. I could hear them out there laughing. I'm going to tell you something. It's one thing to run me off, but don't be laughing about it. And all of a sudden, they brought me back out there, and I walked back in there, and I had my head down, and all of a sudden, I looked up, and everybody's standing up, and they're clapping, and all of a sudden, I looked over here, and there's sugar, and there's flour, and there's jelly, and there's all kind of canned goods, old-fashioned pounding. I mean, it covered the whole area, and it was this big. I mean, it was just filled, and I'm sitting there, I felt like the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. She likes me. They like me. They like me. I had 55 pounds of sugar. My wife didn't kiss me for a month. We lived in an old shotgun house. They provided for us. I went home. We put everything everywhere we could. All of a sudden, I got a call from a lady. and said, Brother Gene, we couldn't be there, but can, we, can I come by and see you? I told Brenda, they probably bring us some more sugar. She came all right. She sat down and she told me how sorry I was and what things I was not doing as a pastor, and she belittled me. And I want to tell you something. The hair stood up on the back. Of, I had hair back then. It stood on the back of my neck. And I want to tell you something. God got a hold of my tongue and wouldn't let me say nothing. Now, I have to tell you, I was not that spirit at that moment. I mumbled a couple of times. <laughs> but God wouldn't let my tongue loose. She, she went through there telling me how sorry I was, this, this, and that, and other, and everything she told me was not true. What hurts the most is when somebody tells you that what they're telling you is a lie, not the truth on you. That hurts. But God said, don't say a word. She said, Brother Gene, she began to cry. She said, Brother Gene, it's not your fault. My husband had been quit drinking for 12 years, and he just started back drinking, and when he drinks, he beats me, and he's beating me again. She said, last night, 
like the sheriff's department come looking for my 16-year-old son because they think he was involved in some type of theft in the community. And Brother Gene, my 14-year-old daughter, discovered this week she's pregnant and she's talking about an abortion. I sit there and I pray with her for her husband, I pray there for her son, I pray there for her daughter, and I pray for her. Time Pat laps by and God moved us to another place and I came back, they wanted me to come do a revival. I came back to do a revival. And got through and all of a sudden, here come this lady down that aisle. I said, oh, my stars. She's coming to eat me up on the other side. And she grabbed me and started crying. And she said, Brother Gene. And she turned around and she pointed to a man. She said, you see that man sitting right back there? That's my husband. He don't beat me no more. He got saved. And Brother Gene, you know my son that got in trouble? He came to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior and he's sitting back there with his wife and he worked out and worked off some things that he had to do to get it right with the, with the law enforcement. He said, but he, he has nothing on his record and, and he got saved. And then she pointed to a young lady with a little baby on her lap and said, Brother Gene, that's my daughter. She, she didn't have the abortion. She had the baby. She got saved. What would happen if I'd have gotten the flesh and told her what I thought? What you say to others reflects who you are in Christ. People tell me, I'm just going to give them peace of my mind. Don't do it. You done gave too much of it away already. When I'm telling the truth tonight, is it easy not to get caught up in the flesh? My stars, I can go to one place that's got 47 checkout lines and they want you to check out yourself. I mean, you go just to buy something, people having family reunions in the aisle, you wonder where the tater salad is. And whoever is moving our cars while we're in there, I hope they find them. <laughs> you see, we got to understand, we got to let go of past grief. People who have hurt us. You've got to let God deal with them. And God is a lot better qualified and do a lot better job than you can ever do. One last thing under this is that past grudge. Holding a grudge against somebody. I heard about a man who was years ago before they had the, the proper treatment, he was beaten by a dog who had rabies. They brought him in and said, man, I hate to tell you this, but You've been bit by a dog with rabies. There's not a thing in the world we're going to do. You're going to die of rabies. He said, you sure I got him? He said, I sure you got him. Man got up and started to walk out the door. The doctor said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to go bite a few people. Let me tell you something. Before you put a person in a box, Realize that Jesus came to set the captives free. And who he sets free is free indeed. And no matter where they've been, what they've done, how bad they've hurt you, if they come to know Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior, they're just as saved as you are. I have the mission guys at, at, at Laura. When I was there at Highland Baptist Church, we had the Mission of the Cross guys come to our church. They're there with the tattoos. They're there, there with the, the piercings. I mean, we live in a different age. I don't understand all of it. I hate to get shot, so I ain't got to worry about no tattoo. I mean, they'll take a tattoo, go that finger, go all the way around, come back to the other side. 
And my goodness, today with the body piercings, how in the world they drink water without leaking? You ever thought about that? But no matter what past they've been down, how dark a sin they were in, if they come to know Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, they may have the scars of life but they've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And when they walk through that door, they fought Satan hand and foot to come in the house of God. They need to feel the love of God. Because Jesus came to set the captives free. One last thing. I'm going to take it easy and leave off the 24 more I got. We said what? To know, to grow, to let go. And the last one is to show. Look what it says. I press towards verse 14, the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says here, I press forward to show. Now, this, to, as it says here, I, that's an individual decision. You have to choose that. I, I cannot make Brenda do anything. After 44 years, I cannot make Brenda do anything. Is there any other men up here who want to bear testimony with me? I is a personal decision. You have to decide it. Nobody else can do it for you. Personal decision. Here we see here, I press. It's a serious effort. When you're running, and I don't know nothing about running, the last time I ran, my belly button got stuck to my forehead. And when I finally got it undone, I had a little red mark. looked like I owned a 7-Eleven store. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Brenda's going to tell me about that when I get home. <laughs> Told you you should have stayed home tonight, baby. All right. Cut that one, please. Cut that out. All right. I press. It's a, it's a serious effort. Every morning, I try to get up and walk. Eating like you guys feed me week after week revival, I have to walk. Or they're going to tie a string around my big toe and put me in the, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I have to walk. I don't like to walk. I just don't like just going through the motion of walking. But i got to do it. I don't always enjoy getting in the Word of God. Sometimes it's just really fresh and easy, and sometimes it's a struggle. And prayer, sometimes it's just hard to pray. Prayer is work. But prayer works. And so, as I look tonight, it's a serious effort to come to the house of God. I want to tell you something. I, I've been, I, I think in five months I missed two Sundays preaching, and, and I have a conference coming up next week, and I couldn't take anything because of that. And then I got called today and said, could you preach for, for me Sunday morning? I told Brenda, I felt like it was Christmas time. I was pumped up. I get to preach God's Word Sunday morning at First Baptist Church Foxworth. And I'm excited because you see what? This is what makes a difference. You think that we get things right and the White House is going to change everything? No, it's when we get things right in our life. And we put forth the serious effort that I'm going to press to get in the Word of God, to spend time in prayer, to get in the house of God. I'm going to change my ways. I'm going to press towards the mark. And the Bible says here in this Word, not only it says, I 
press, but the other word is towards. That's a clear vision. You can't serve two masters. You're going to love one, you're going to despise the other. There's a lot of things. My brother just recently, I have a, a, a concession stand trailer that I bought and use it for various things. Brent and I are about to use it. One of the things God's pressed in our heart, our ministry's done a lot of things. But this past year, God laid in my heart of, of choices, uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center. We went and we fed. I called him. I said, I want to do 500 plates. My ministry's going to pay for everything, jambalaya, string beans, a marinate brown sugar soy sauce, and, and, and dessert, and a roll. And I said, we want to give it there and let the, all this proceeds go to you. They, they called me and said, Brother Jimmy, we got good news and bad news. Good news, we sold 500. Bad news, everybody didn't get the memo. We sold 710 plates. But that's okay. Because that's what I bought it to be able to use for the glory of God. And I want to tell you something. I, as we use these things and as we ask God to lead us and guide us, every day we seek His face and what to, that we can show. It's one thing to tell people about the love of God, but we also got to show the love of God. Right now, Brenda and I, we're getting ready to, uh, when she gets a little bit better, she's not going to have to do anything. All she's got to do is sit there and look pretty. But we're going back up to that hospital where I looked in that room every morning at 5 o'clock, walked that parking lot, and I prayed and saw my precious wife on that ventilator. And then I would visit her at 6 and pray. We're going back to that place, and we're going to fix a meal for all the ICU, for the doctors, for the nurses, and we're going to show them the love of Christ. When this situation took about defund the police, Brenda and I moved in our heart to go to the sheriff's department and we fixed a meal for Jones County and fed every one of them, let them know they're valuable and we love them. You've got to show the love of Christ. And as you are loved, you need to show love. So many times there's people like sponges. They want to just absorb all it up. <laughs> I have learned a long time ago that when my life gets difficult, give it away. Because it takes your eyes off yourself. And when you get your eyes off yourself, your problems don't seem near about as big as they once did. Is that true? And so the Bible tells us here, it says here to show, to show it. Let me show you this and we're going to be through. Acts 16, just real quickly. It won't take but a second, but I want you to see this. Here it is in verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. Here's an example of pressing forward. A personal, serious effort going forward. Clear vision. Paul had been beaten unjustly. Could a bellyache and wine. Could he? Bellyache and wine. You ever been around a Baptist? They'll bellyache and whine on you if you ain't careful, won't they? Bellyache and whine. Paul and Silas been beaten unjustly. Put inside a prison. Back is beaten with pulp and, and, and blood, dry blood was on their back. Took to the inner prison, chained. No wind to blow a breeze through. Just sitting there in that stuffy dungeon, that prison. They could have bellyached and whined and said they'd done this to us unjustly, but look what they did. In the midst of the midnight hour, look what they did. They put forth that press towards the gold. And look what it says here. They did this. I want you to see it. In the midnight hour, this is what you've got to do. You ready? 
got to pray. You got to keep the line of communication open between you and God. The midnight hour. Number two, singing hymns. You got to praise Him despite how you feel. I'm going to tell you something. I can't sing. I, I did something stupid one time in my life, and I told God, if you let me live, I won't do that no more. At my first church, we run about 40 people in Sunday school, and I told him, I said, if we get 100 people four weeks in a row, I will sing a special. Oh, man. 100, 102, 105. I told him on third Sunday, we're not having Sunday school next week. Don't come, don't come. I get there, and all of a sudden, it's time for me to sing a special. The lady played by ear. She said, Brother Jim, we need to go over your song. I said, we ain't going on no song. You play because he lives, and if you can play by ear, keep up with me. And buddy, I want to tell you something. I was praying for the rapture. I can't sing. I can't even find the same radio station twice. I have no musical talent. And all of a sudden, I, there I am singing, and and I want to tell you, but let me tell you something. It may drive you nuts. It may make a dog bark. But when I get through singing, when it's filtered through heaven, it is praise. And it's not about you, it's about Him. So number one, in the midnight hour, keep the line of communication open. In the midnight hour, we learn to keep the line of communication open despite with God despite your circumstance. Exalt His name despite how you feel. You think they felt like praising Him? But you praise Him anyhow. That's faith, right? Not feelings, not figuring. And the last thing is this. And suddenly, there was an earthquake. And all of a sudden, the foundation prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were open. The third thing is, realize that at any given moment, God can change the situation. Is that good? Any given moment. And that's what Satan tries to do is make you feel like when you're going through the darkest days, it's always going to be this way, but he's a liar from the pits of hell. He makes you want to think you're the isolated. You're the only one ever having this trouble. That's a lie from the pits of hell. So what do you do in the midnight hour when you press on? You keep the line of communication open. You praise him. And then the last thing is you patiently wait. I don't have time to go in this, but I, I close with this. You know this story. Read it. Check me out, Max chapter 16. Paul and Silas have been beaten, unjustly chained, in a prison. Here they are. They're praying. They're praising. They're patiently waiting on God. And God shows up. Flipping jailer comes and he takes a sword to kill himself. And Paul says, do thyself no harm. He didn't hold a grudge, did he? He says, we are all here. There were some prisoners in that place that were murderers. They were thieves. There were legitimate prisoners in that place. When all the doors were open and the chains were loose, why didn't the prisoners run? What do you think in Lincoln County, if the jail cells open up automatically, it looked like somebody kicked over an ant bed? Why didn't they run? You ready? Because they saw the power and the presence of God in Paul and Silas in the midnight hour. 
When do we speak volume to our God is? The midnight hour. I close. When I was at New Hebron, I'm the oldest of five children. We had three bedrooms, seven people living in the house, but we did have indoor plumbing. One, but it was one. It was one. That's good to have that. And I watched something on TV that scared the fire out of me. It was the Wizard of Oz. I'll never forget it. Them flying monkeys scared the fire out of me. I went to bed that night, and them suckers were flying in my room behind the curtain of the window, behind the, the closet door. I'm on the top bump. I'm the oldest one of four boys. I'm supposed to be the one to take care of my brothers. But after fighting them flying monkeys all night long, I got up and I left. I said, it's every man for himself. I was scared. I was scared. And I went up there in my daddy and mama's room. They were sound asleep. And back then, everybody put your shoes under your bed. I moved those shoes off from under the bed, and I got up under there. And you know what happened when I got up under that bed? I went sound asleep. You know why? Because my daddy was above me. There is a God if we are part of the family of God, there is a God that loves us more than you love yourself. There is a God who wants you to follow Him. Who wants you to surrender to Him. And you come under Him and His authority. You'll be able to have what the Bible says, a peace that surpasses understanding. Tonight, if you do not know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, all you have is your religion. All you have is your self-righteousness. Let me tell you something. The Bible says you must be born again. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Tonight, you need to trust Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Tonight, it's a wonderful night to get saved. And I want to tell you something. You say, Brother Gene, I, I don't know if I can get saved. I'm going to tell you one thing. And I know I've gone long, but I want you to hear this because I really feel like as my brother, I'm going to use his line. I feel like God wants me to share this with you. Brother and I, I was 26 years old when God called me to preach. We went to Palestine and Simpson County. We went over to Covington County Seminary. Went over to Lincoln County, New Prospect. Went down into Coyell Baptist Church. And so uh, we were there one night. It was early morning. And Brenda woke up. And she's crying. She was, she was upset. I woke up and I said, baby, what's wrong? She said, I realized something. She said, I realized tonight that I'm lost. I've been living in the realm of religion. I've been living in the realm of self-righteousness, being the pastor's wife. And I need to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That night, I opened up the Word of God, and I led my wife and had the opportunity to lead my wife to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. She looked at me and said, what are we, we going to do, Gene? I'm the preacher's wife. What are they going to say? You know, I'm real shy. I don't give a rip what they say. It's what God says that matters. And that Sunday she came down that aisle, 
And she, they, they came down, everybody said, they must be having marital problems. <laughs> and she came down, and I told her that my wife had come to know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. You reckon that shocked everybody? You reckon them telephones rung that day? But you know what? I thank God this precious lady right here was big enough and strong enough to realize she needed to be saved and quit worrying about what everybody else thought. And one of the things that brought me through, if I didn't know she was going to come off that ventilator, was the fact that she had trusted in Christ as her Lord and Savior. And she was going home. Unless God chose to send her back home to me. I want to tell you something tonight. You need to be sure you're part of the family of God. The Spirit of God ought to bear witness you're saved. If not, Brother Jeff's going to be here. And if you're here and you're a Christian, I beseech you therefore, brethren. The Bible tells us here, brethren, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet. Are you growing as a child of God? Are you in the Word of God on a daily basis? Are you spending time with God in prayer? If not, maybe you ought to just come to this altar and say, Lord, tonight I'm going to experience revival. I'm going to live in a state of revival. I'm going to desire your Word. I'm going to desire to spend time in prayer, and I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. I'm about to change my life. It's no longer about the world. It's about the Word. It's no longer about the flesh. It's about the Spirit. And God, I am surrendering all. Boy, we have that in our church. My stars. Then tonight, will you forget what lies behind? What's been in your closet for so long robbing you of the blessing and the joy that God has said is right for yours? Can your yesterdays eat your lunch? Can your problems of yesterday that Satan wants to bring up that God's already forgiven, can he destroy you? You better believe he can. You cast him away and claim the promises by the authority of the word of God and walk in victory instead of defeat. Hold your head up. And then press. Are you willing to press forward and say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to live in a state of revival whether anybody else wants it or not. I thank you for being faithful tonight. Thank you that you allow me to preach this word. I feel in my heart I've done what God asked me to do. Now I ask you, what are you going to do? The altar is open. Brother Jeff's going to be here. Brother Anthony's going to make his way to the piano. Brother Jeff's going to come and stand. I ask you to stand, to stand tonight, heads bowed, eyes closed, as Brother Anthony begins to pray. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Everybody says, do you want to have eternal life? You're going to have eternal life. It's just going to be in heaven or hell. And it's going to determine what you do with Jesus that determines your destiny. Tonight, would you say, you know what? I have my religion. I have my church membership. I have baptism certificate. But I don't have the Spirit of God. And I need Him tonight as my Savior. I want to be sure of my salvation. Brother Jeff's going to be standing here. If you're a Christian tonight, you say, I haven't been growing. I didn't come complacent. I didn't come stale. And tonight I want to come and I want to grow with a child of God. And tonight I commit that to you, Lord God. I commit that I'm going to grow to be the child of God you want me to be, to be faithful to the house of God, to the word of God, to be faithful in my prayer life and to live my life with consistency. You come tonight if you're a Christian and you're making that kind of commitment, that's revival. God, I commit to you. You're making that personal effort. And maybe tonight there's just some things you just need to come 
and just give to Jesus some burdens, heavy laden. Come and get rest and get peace. You come right now. The altar is open. You come right now. You come. Don't put it off any longer. Just move out into the aisle and come down here. You know the one that, that you're the one that the Lord has spoken to. He may have spoken to other people in this place, but you know He spoke to you. And if He's said something to you, if He's told you that you need to be saved, move out of the aisle and come down here for just a moment. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let Satan hold you back. There's no excuses. You come to the Lord Jesus now. that thing in your life that you need to talk to the Lord about good or bad maybe it's a praise that you want to give him and you need to come to the altar and lay that out before him but maybe there's something that you need to get right before God the altar is here for that as well you let God lead you tonight see so many times we just say well I'll take care of that when I get home and how many times does the, the evil one steal that from us before we get home take the opportunity now to come into the presence of God at the altar and pray